You are now listening to the Fat Fix Podcast with David Flowers, a show talking about all things fat loss and health for the general population. Helping people understand why they are in the position they're in right now, rather than just focusing on what they need to do. Your no-nonsense personal trainer friend that you can have access to in your pocket whenever you need some help, guidance or just to kick up the arse. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Fat Fix podcast for episode number 15. Today I was joined by Matt Duncan who is not only a good friend of mine but a personal trainer who I admire greatly and he is hands down probably one of the best trainers that I've been fortunate enough to work with and I have been around the block a little bit. Today we discussed motivation. This is something that I get asked about a hell of a lot and whenever I do a poll on social media about future topics for the show this is a popular one i believe today that we definitely delivered on this i got so much from today's chat with matt and i'm sure many others will too including other personal trainers matt was certainly the right person to get on for this topic today he gave a great insight into motivation how it occurs what people do wrong when it comes to keeping the big m word around and he shared some great inspirational stories from some of the clients he has worked with. So without further ado, let's bring Matt Duncan onto the Fat Fix podcast for episode number 15, The M Word. Hello, Matthew. Well, hello there, David. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Yourself? Very good, pal. It feels good to do a podcast with someone that I know. It doesn't feel as awkward. I know. Within five minutes, we'll both have reverted back into our mank accents and no one will understand the word we're saying. <laughs> Literally, I don't think anyone can understand me anyway. I usually try and get guests on that are well-spoken, but I thought I'd get you on today for, you know, scraping well, at the barrel. <laughs> well, I might start when I've spoken, mate, but i got a glass of red here, so if I do start to slur off, you know why. <laughs> yeah, just absolutely go silent because you're pissed. <laughs> I'll, I'll try hold back, mate. Just just one for the end of the day. It's a it's a cold and wet uh, Sydney evening here, mate. So you know, I've got to warm myself up. Oh yeah, well it's um yeah it's shit weather here in Manchester as well, mate. So shock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. So um, the listeners will probably be thinking, who the hell are these two, or who's this guy? Give yourself <laughs> an introduction, Matt, about who you are, what you do. Like I've said before, the standard introduction to a podcast and soon the listeners will probably realise that you are a really smart, knowledgeable guy, not just a pisshead, Manchester <laughs> Union living in Australia. <laughs> yeah, I'll try I'll try not to talk myself down that line, mate. But um, So I was born and bred north of England, moved out to Australia um, after a brief career as a youth worker. I used to work with kids with behavioural problems. And then I used to go into areas um, like underprivileged areas and set up sports development, which is where I started with coaching. When I moved out to Australia, um, studied personal training. And, you know, sort of five years later, I'm a personal training manager for a gym chain called Fitness Playground. I look after uh, Fitness Playground and uh, The Bunker, um, which is our newest club. Um, I still PT myself. Which um, which I enjoy. Oh, so that's probably probably the most 
brief rundown I can give you. <laughs> oh, that's good, mate. Obviously, that's where me and you met, mate, wasn't it, in Australia when I was working at the fitness playground as well. And, we yeah, we become, we become good friends from going – used to go out, watch UFC, get, get pissed up, didn't we? So, it was all good. Um, <laughs> don't know what you're talking about, mate. We're always on our best behaviour. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to say our bodies are temples, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so so today, Matt, obviously we're going to discuss something that I'm sure we both get asked a lot about, um, being a personal trainer. And obviously you probably have gone into this a lot when you, even from your social worker experience, I think that will probably standed you in good stead as a PT, is motivation and ultimately how do we get people to, do something how do we get people to do a task that we set them we, we're constantly asked by clients probably you know forever for all our career is how do I get motivated like how do you do it as a trainer yourself and things like that so the topic of today's podcast is called the m word so yeah that's that's what I want to discuss with you today Matt and how you work around that how do you get your clients motivated and yeah what even is motivation um to me mate well i think to most people uh motivation you know it seems like this really intangible highly prized commodity um but ultimately it's it's just the drive to take action um and i think one of the issues that we have is motivation is seen as something that happens to you it's not created and it comes in waves and you know it's it's out of your control um, but to me, like when I try to have this conversation with clients and get them to take a bit more responsibility over, you know, motivation, um, it, it's more about creating certainty and uh, creating understanding. So I talk a lot about creating certainty in the process, certainty in themselves and certainty in the person that they're working with, you know, often with us, that's going to be the personal trainer. Yeah, I think people need to yeah, understand the psychology of motivation and I think they stand more chance of actually achieving what they want to achieve. So, yeah, when, when, you, set, when you go over it with clients, do you, do you feel that kind of helps them a little bit when you do break down what it actually is and it's not just this random thing that you can kind of just switch on and off? Yeah, mate, we've um, – so from what I've dived into, I – a couple of years ago, I sort of sat back and I, I would, as all PTs typically are, you know, we're curious individuals and, you know, I was thinking about what would be the next area that I wanted to look into, you know, from um, like my own personal education. And I thought that it was much more important to explore adherence and uh, compliance than it was to necessarily try and find that 2% of technical information that I might get to use one in a hundred people. You know, I wanted to be better at applying the 99% of information that I had, you know, um, to as many people as possible. Um, I started picking up on different areas, like small areas where people typically fall down. Um, just simply when a client would come on board, I'd prepare like a welcome pack and that welcome pack always had, a bit of a, a page or two in it, which was about like creating habits or, you know, being successful. And just over time, 
is the more people that you work with, um, the broader that category became. And the more you started realizing that people typically fall down at similar points. So I sort of group it now into um, like five parts. Um, I think that if you want me to go into them now, mate. Yeah, for sure. Whilst we're on topic, yeah, let's um, delve deep into them. Yeah, so um, I think that there's five areas where people typically fall down and lose motivation. And that's, it's between knowledge and action. Um, Then between sort of like, how do you create momentum from action? Um, And then how do you build consistency from that momentum? And then how do you stay consistent long enough to see progress? And then when you do make progress, like how do you understand your success? How do you take that information and how do you reapply it so that you can continue to get better? Because often what got you to your first goal won't get you to your next. You know, you need to, the harder, the better you get, the harder it is to get better, unfortunately. No, that, that makes that makes perfect sense. It's kind of like looking into, I, I like to look at motivation and obviously it's got loads of different types to it, hasn't it? You know, people often talk about willpower and things like that, but ultimately it's like motivation is different types of fuels that get you to the outcomes. So you can use these different fuels, like you've just mentioned them, kind of like five pillars that ultimately get you to where you want to be. It's like the energy behind the behavior and that you can just, ultimately drive something and it all comes into the same topic because i've mentioned in a podcast before like adherence as well like how do we get people to get start with like the inspiration to do something that drives them along that in adherence pathway to ultimately developing a passion for then motivation isn't really even kind of needed anymore because you have such a passion for it and it's not where you, you're one of these people like, oh, do, do I do this today? Do I not? Like, don't get me wrong. We've got a passion for training and things and there'll be days where we can't be bothered doing anything. But it's obviously because we understand motivation. We understand how it comes about. We understand these cycles like you've just spoken about, which ultimately helps us understand that, how it works and how it, like I say, it's not always going to be around. And that's why it's so important that, you know, you mentioned that because, that's good for you to tell clients and what we do tell clients. So they actually understand it. And it's just not just like a mystery to them anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think if you can, if you can begin by removing some of the barriers to entry um, and mostly when people talk about being motivated, like that sort of like initial drive that they get, it's because they've become aware of a problem and and they're starting to look for a solution. And as long as the solution is immediately convenient and immediately makes sense and the barrier to that entry is not too high, then, you know, you'll event, you will get some action from people. But one of the things that I see a lot of um, these days is information is so readily available. Like it's so fast that it's got to the point where when somebody sits down now and say, I need information, normally It's not that they need more. They don't need confusing any further. They don't need jargon. What they need is for somebody to filter that information and go, well, actually, what you need is this, and when you need it is now, you know, like, um, and and simplifying things from them. Um, And once you can get people past that sort of initial information overload, and then you 
attach them or you anchor them to some sort of why, some sort of understanding of why, you know, they want what they want, um, then you can start helping them to plan. And then when they do finally make a decision, you know, and they ask themselves, can I do it? And will it work? And is it worth it? You can hopefully push them past that fear of failure enough that you can get them to action the things, you know, that they say they want to do. Yeah, 100%, mate. And I think whilst we're kind of on this kind of topic now, I think um, it'd be good to go over like where people go wrong when it comes to motivation or, or seeking motivation. And what a lot of people, what you've experienced in your time working with so many different people. And that's why I wanted to obviously yourself on this show, because I know that you, you actually, we, you, we actually work with people every single day, like different personalities, people with different goals. So as a PT, I do think we get, you know, undervalued essentially, because we are exposed to so many different people with so many different barriers to their lives and how do we get them to tick? But what do we see a lot of people doing wrong? So what do you, what have you found people do wrong mostly when they're actually seeking this change? Um, in that initial part, mate, um, typically what I'll see people do is follow the honestly mate the easiest way to describe this is the sort of like what i like to call the commitment versus expectation continuum <laughs> so very posh for you mate i'll tell me about it mate i'm gonna throw a couple of continuums at you today i reckon <laughs> um because there is so much access to so much um information and because the the extremes get publicized People's expectation of what they can achieve, um, you know, in a short period of time and sustain is, is very skewed. All right. Um, and that's that's mainstream media's fault. It's, you know, anyone that's tweaked transformation photos fault, you know, um, leading people to believe that they can make these huge, huge life changing, you know, um, uh, transformations as much as I, I dislike the word you know like within um you know six weeks eight weeks 12 weeks um and you can make huge amount of change within that period of time as long as your commitment equals you know your expectation so if you walk through the door and you see that somebody else made um you know a change of incredible proportions over a eight-week period but they trained twice a day, you know, or they had a PT six times a week and, you know, they made this. You have to understand that if your commitment is to be slightly better then the length of time that it's going to take you to, you know, get the thing that you're wanting, it's going to take a longer time. So that initial conversation, I think it's really important that you, you understand what your client's expectations are and then you meet them and before you can sort of manage them. And then by managing those expectations, ultimately you can exceed them and then, you know, really promote the quality of what you do. I mean, that, I think that's the first place where I see people fall down. Um, because if you walk in and your expectation of the process is that this will all be okay, you know, in 12 weeks time, 
and you're on trying to you're trying to unravel behaviors and habits and movement patterns that you've developed over decades um you're probably only really going to be wrapping your head around what you need to change you know by the end of the first sort of like six weeks um which means the process can be a hell of a lot longer and when people come up against that that can be quite um quite confronting no that that is a really important part part mate that you've just mentioned there and he's kind of starting off with people's mindsets towards like you said the process of it and and looking at what other people have done and not kind of looking at their own life and what how they've actually got in this position in the first place and and then from there on it, it kind of like you said these expectations are so kind of high for them then they instantly what i find is that they they feel like they have to rely on this like willpower as such to get them there because ultimately it's it's really a painful um, experience from the off because they're just feeling like they need to rely on it and it's it's something that's what I find it's I say to people you need to not rely on this willpower because it's quite fragile and it will you want to really not have it tested very very soon into a journey especially for most people we want to make it easy we want to make it convenient want to make it less effort so they have no excuses you know do you know what I mean yeah mate to me that's that's two things that I I work with and that's um the try mentality and then it's the tolerance to discomfort so what typically happens is people approach um, they approach change as something that is temporary you know I just gotta you know I'll do this and I'll do it um, for this length of time, you know, and they see it as something that is only for a short period that will ultimately end. Whereas, you know, we both know that that sustainable change requires, um, you know, like quite a different mindset, a mindset of this is, this is a lifestyle. This is a process where if I make a change now, can I, can I keep it, you know, and there might be periods of intensity, but if a person enters into the process with, I will try, you know, I will do what I can for a short period of time, when the reality sets in, um, that usually, it, it's like a bit of a brick in the face and that, that knocks anybody's motivation. Uh, and then the other half of that is this tolerance to discomfort that I often talk about. You know, like I, I fast quite regularly and... You know, I'll take my cold showers and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at making myself do shit that I don't want to do. Um, mm. But it's really just to to keep that tolerance to discomfort high. So whenever anybody is going to go through a period of change, I, I personally, I think change requires resistance. It requires something that you have to push back against. And yeah, of course. once you've maintained a reasonable level of tolerance to discomfort, then when when you need to change, like when you want to get better at something, like you're too unused to it to be able to see it through. And again, you know, the taking the easy route come becomes quite an attractive option. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You've got to kind of find that happy medium, and, and as well. And I find a lot of people will take this really you know, hard option, like from the off, and then it leads them to feel like guilty if they've not kind of carried it out, which 
you know, shame and guilt are really like powerful drivers of motivation, but it's kind of distinguishing the behavior and the process of actually getting there. You know, will it, will the drive the behavior, but it may not be psychologically healthy and people tend to look at the health and fitness like that, don't they? they? They're really trying to really push against this change, this behavior change so much. So it becomes psychological, psychologically unhealthy for them. And that's where this their motivation, like you say, is like a brick to the face. And before they know it, it's completely, they've hit a wall. They, 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 they're constantly then seeking, what do I do to get this motivation back? And it's just taking a step back and looking at, the approach is what's probably made this motivation go out of the window. Yeah. Um, mate, one of the things that I think you're touching on there is um, if, if a person is driven by sort of punishment, um, their idea of discipline is punishment, you're always going to have trouble. Um, you know, like if, if the reason that they get up and go and do their training is because they did something the night before that they're ashamed of, then that's not going to last because you're, you're going to associate the habits that you need for life with, um, you know, with, with negative feelings, with, you know, dissatisfaction, you know, the idea of punishment um, and sort of reframing that to people as an opportunity. Um, I mean, it's a, I was, I was talking to someone about it the other day, mate, like, the conversation's over um, as far as exercise is medicine. There isn't a, there isn't a single system in the body that it doesn't benefit. And I think the sooner that we can move past as a society thinking of exercise as an option, you know, and trying to convince people that it's good for them and, you know, accept that it's a responsibility and that you need to create a habit that the sooner we're going to, you know, move away from a lot of the issues that we're seeing um, as far as health and you know, both of our societies, both Australia and the UK. Yeah, it's, I, I always say to people when, when it comes to exercise and things, and I'm sure you've experienced this yourself before anybody starts training with yourself. Um, I've had people that I've sat down with consultations and they've said to me straight away things like, um, I don't have to go running, do I? And I'm thinking to, straight away, I'm like, what, what, what do you mean? And they've got this association to an unpleasurable form of exercise that they necessarily might not enjoy. And they'll automatically start it with such a kind of a negative emotion towards exercise rather than them, think, them thinking, I need to do this for fun and for the love of it. And what I found with people is with like, especially with like identity, obviously identity is really powerful then rather than doing exercise, you know, you're, you're an exerciser, you know, living out your identity. Because, for example, a runner wouldn't get up and um, they would just get up and run rather than think, oh, I have to go running. And it's about kind yeah. of, it's about kind of changing this mentality as such to enjoying the process and, and doing something that you enjoy and do it, honestly doing it for the love of it if you want to keep motivation there don't get me wrong there's going to be times like you mentioned where you're going to have to test this kind of um willpower as such and this what what did you mention before you touched upon like that, that um when you mentioned about kind of that scale of that continuum scale uh commitment versus expectation 
Yeah, and there, there was, yeah, um, as well. So you, you're going to have to, there's going to be some degree of kind of discipline within the process, especially if you are new to weight training and you start with a personal trainer. You know, at first you might be very, you know, unfamiliar with it. And a lot of people are, they're scared of lifting weights. They, they, they don't know how to do it. So there's going to be a start where it's going to feel a little bit like quite hard work to do and get motivated for because you're learning a new skill. But soon as them benefits and you reap them rewards, like you just mentioned about exercise having so much impact on us, both psychologically and physiologically, it's only until then that the motivation will start to come because you'll be getting a return on investment from doing it. Yeah, mate, I think um, so that's that's the period where so I refer to that as building consistency from momentum. And that's where uh, forming habits take place. So, you know, if you can get someone through the door um, and you can combat all those barriers to entry and you can understand why they what they want to do, what they want to do, you can set very realistic expectations and, you know, against that level of commitment and gradually increase that tolerance to discomfort and try and shift that mentality away from trying to do it to this is how it's going to be now. You, you start moving into a period where, people have enough self-efficacy to, to form the habits that they're going to need to be consistent. And, and usually round about this point, you know, people, they mistake movement for achievement. You know, they, um, they think because they're busy that it's progress. Whereas I think a lot of people don't realize how consistent you have to be to actually see progress. And if there's one area where most people or you know motivation sort of wanes it's it's usually around here because if you've got this far through drastic change people start to realize very quickly that extreme isn't sustainable and that's when they're like oh fuck (laughs) it's like right i can't keep going this way you know because they haven't change thing one thing at a time this is the all-in people and these are the people that get three weeks in and then binge and crash and burn and get sick and then put the weight back on and then start again. You know, um, they're the ones that haven't formed the habits. And I think habit formation is hugely, hugely important for maintaining that certainty that the process is working and maintaining the, the drive and the motivation that comes from that certainty. Um, and all kinds of things can contribute at this point, like, um, you know, their environment, you know, they might not have changed their environment and they could be literally struggling against a particular situation. And that's just a matter of time. I mean, if you're, if you're trying to do better for yourself and everyone around you is, is not, you know, is not paying attention or prioritizing the same things that you are, it's just a matter of time until that sort of social pressure and that social discomfort causes people to to lose that motivation to keep trying um does that uh does that make sense does that answer that no no massively it's it's support it's huge isn't it and it's having and i i I say it in like most of my podcasts we kind of it ends up coming on to this topic it is getting that support from from somebody it is understanding your environment it is understanding your lifestyle it is understanding all these other factors that you mentioned before like magazine what you see in magazines on the television all these things can kind of 
play havoc on people's motivation, depending on if they'd not recognise them, firstly, but also how can we kind of look to change them for the better as well so we're not kind of living one big life of just procrastinating about doing something about about it, uh, essentially. And I meet and so many people that have been, you know, just waiting to get in touch with me or like that pre-contemplation because they just don't have that motivation. And obviously the enemy of that is procrastination. And that's what a lot of people struggle with. It's actually getting up and do it. How do we get people to actually do? And that's something that I believe is really not kind of looked into as much. We're often told, all right, you need to exercise more. We're told to eat less calories. People, people definitely know that. And I've never met an individual that doesn't know that, especially if they are an overweight individual. I've never sat down with them and told them what I believe is obvious. I want to look into why have they not been able to do this for many, many years. And obviously motivation comes down to that. But ultimately it is a a procrastination thing. They've been wanting to make this change for probably years, some people, but how can we get them to actually do it? And that's where I think it really is problematic when people do suffer from this like chronic procrastination you know what I mean yeah I think I mean at that point it's a matter of a low barrier to entry you've got to make it convenient you've got to make it attractive um I mean it's pretty much a combination of uh have you read uh, Atomic Habits um I haven't read that no I've, I've seen loads of people post about it and say really good things about it but um no it's something yeah. that i would love to get on an audio book hate reading he uh, he builds on um that power of habit uh was it charles ah, is it... yeah i've read that that, that is good yeah, that. I read that one, mate. yeah he he builds on a lot of the, the models within there but he, he talks about that he says that you know if you are wanting to change a behavior it has to be convenient and it has to be attractive I mean, he's specifically talking about um, habits, but if you want person, someone to change or sorry, to take, you know, the awareness that they've gathered, something's not right. You know, I need to solve this problem. Um, I mean, you got to look at the areas where people, where do people go to first to get fit? What's the first things that they try? They'll go to the gym or they'll go on a drastic diet or or go out running. You know, they'll do, they'll, They'll just kind of go with what they believe the society do. Right, running, running for me. So people want they go running, or yeah. you know they get their program at distance of someone off Instagram, or they jump onto a YouTube video. They don't necessarily do those because they think that that's the best way to get fit. They do those things because it's the lowest barrier to entry. All right, yes, yeah. it's, it's the most convenient. It's the lowest barrier to entry. Um, the problem is people don't realize that you got to be fit to run. It's an incredibly complicated, you know, process and mechanism that the body goes through that we were designed for. But, you know, if you sat at a desk for 20 years, you're probably no longer designed for it. Um, hmm. And a program at distance requires you to be really, really good at exercising. You know, like um, it doesn't matter how many times you do a bad rep, you're not getting better. I said, if you haven't learned how to do a particular exercise, exercising at distance is um, not going to do you any good. 
All right. So, you know, these things that people choose as low barrier to entry, they they aren't often very effective. So you have someone, they set off, they right, I'm going to jog three times a week, you know, within the second week, they got knee problem and a back problem. So they've already hit their first hurdle. Mm. And then they've got to go, they've got to go up for another solution. You know, so as coaches, one of the things that I encourage the trainers to remember is that by the time a person sits down in front of you, the likelihood is that that person has tried and failed quite a few times before you even have your chance. So they have preconceptions around A, what they're capable of, uh, and B, what the process entails. So if you're not asking your client about what their expectations are, and delving into what their limitations are by trying to get a better understanding of how they've failed before. I think as a coach, you're you're almost handicapping yourself. Yeah, that's a really good point that you made um, about people looking for convenience. And don't get me wrong, like convenience is a good thing, but it's the the usually the approach of convenience that they use sets them up for something to hinder the progression straight away, like you said they'll just go out straight away for a run. They've not done any form of running or cardiovascular work for 10 years. They'll, they'll go out for a convenience run, which, don't get me wrong, is fine. However, yeah. it'll soon, like you said, they'll have a knee pain, they'll have back pain. Before you know it, they'll just tell themselves, oh, you know, I can't do this. Um, and they'll have that emotion towards running. And that's why probably a lot of people do hate running. When, when I have sat down with clients and they say, oh, I hate running, it's probably because these things have happened. And it's not kind of looking at the low-hanging fruit and just saying, why don't you just go for a walk? Like, do something that is convenient. I get it. But do something that's going to give you that really powerful impact of feeling that you've achieved something and you're not feeling like shit and you can't walk for a week. You there, mate? You got us? Oh, sorry, mate. Just a little bit of an audio issue then. Are you, you all right? Yeah. Um, you still got me? Yeah, I still got you, pal. Did you hear what I, did you hear what I mentioned then? Uh, about running? Yeah, yeah. I was just, I was just touching upon um, the running scenario and why people, you know, they'll attempt something so drastic straight away and that's when they'll get that bite back from themselves with a bad knee or a bad back and that's the reason why the hate running so much because they've had such a, a bad experience from doing it because they've they've opted for something convenient but they've not opted for something that's realistic for the situation that they're currently in yeah i mean people are just responding to the information that they've got um you know like they they become aware that they need to change something um they take responsibility for that and people are told that if you you know if you run you lose weight but there's not too many articles out there on mainstream media saying if you run you're going to lose weight but before you run you need to go through a general preparation phase to make sure that you're actually able to run mechanically well enough that you can add enough volume and enough frequency to expend enough energy to lose weight like that's not the conversation that people have so you know it's it's not their fault that they have they have a crack at it um mate the i think the the lack of information gathering, right, um, or the lack of being able to determine what information matters, plays a huge role in determining the, the methodology or the modality that a person chooses to use 
you know, to, to make that change. Um, and ultimately sort of like associating um, the process with just what they've been exposed to in the mainstream. I, people need that accountability and they need that, um, that information um, when they're starting out or typically more accurately, they need people to filter that information for them. Um, so even if you're not working with a trainer, go, go speak to your mate that's really fit, you know, and just ask him what he learned along the way. And just rather than making it something that you go and do on the side, quiet, because most people don't want to, um, you know, sort of admit that they're trying to make a change um, initially, then just go talk to one person that you know that's in decent shape that you trust <clears throat> and get a, bit, a little bit of advice. Um, and it'll save you so much trial and error and you know, probably a couple of failures and probably a little bit of pain. Yeah, a lot of people, they are scared of failing. And, that you know, I, I get it. So, like you said before, so many people have probably tried and failed and they're scared of making making that change again. And it's something that I, that, this is going back to the obvious advice that people give people to just get up and do it. You know, when you see the hashtag Motivation Monday shit on Instagram, mm -hmm. half of the time it's just get up and do it. And it, it doesn't really give any solutions to people's problems, you know, screaming at people to stop being lazy is not the answer, you know, because it, it does come down to emotions, people's moods, and obviously moods are key within motivation and procrastination. And we want to use, um, and the people then use that procrastinating as a way of like escaping it and managing these feelings that they have when it comes to what to do, uh, whether it's, you know, they're scared of going to the gym because it might be challenging stressful it brings up a sense of like incompetence and, and this fear of failure they put things mm. aside then to feel better then they rationalize it you know i'll go to the gym next week diet starts next monday and before you know it a year's gone by and we've done absolutely nothing so th this, this is why it's so important to kind of go deep into these um issues that people face and how they can ultimately overcome it a little bit and i just want to i want to touch upon something that i think a lot of listeners will get a lot of value from that is you work with a lot of clients who potentially have motivation going against them massively because of the current situation that they're actually in whether that's an illness or um, they've been they've been born with a disability and you work with these clients and I've, some of the videos you've shared have been absolutely unbelievable. You've got people walking again and it'd be really interesting to hear how you deal with the, these people that, you know, rightly so, they, they will feel like they can't make a change because of this physical um, impairment as such to actually to do it. Mate, um, to be honest with you, I um, my experience is the opposite. Um, the special population clients that I work with, um, the ones that have been through or going through like the most serious conditions or uh, mobility disorders, um, these are the ones that are most driven. Like right? these are the ones yeah. that teach teach me the most things that I apply 
to everybody else. Um, I know you have like one of the ladies that I work with, um, you have, you have seen, um, uh, she, she has cerebral palsy. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, that girl is an, an athlete because she travels two hours to get to a session. She turns up to every single session, 100% ready to do what is ever is asked of her, you know, to, to a point where some of the, like, everything that we do, she's never done before. You know, so those sessions are incredibly intimidating. She has to be mentally prepared, physically prepared for every single session. Um, she does not struggle with motivation. She knows that she wants to learn how to walk. She knows that she wants to change her life in that particular way. Um, it's the people that take the ability to change or for granted that struggle for motivation. So you know, your, your everyday folk who are going around their lives, who are physically absolutely capable, um, they just assume that they're always going to have tomorrow to make a change. And, the, and these are the people that actually struggle with motivation. Um, the, the special populations clients that I work with, they're, they're incredibly driven, mate. You know? Like, no, that's, um, that's, it's powerful. It's 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 because they've probably got that powerful reason why um well, i probably should have rephrased it before as essential looking in from an outside perspective it you would think that people who these special populations they've got every kind of excuse in the book should i say to not make that change because of the situation that they're in um, from an outside perspective as opposed to them actually feeling that way yeah it would be a lot it would be easy for them to you know, accept that reality. Yes, I, I that's see what I meant, yeah. Yeah. Um, the ones that end up working with me, you know, people that are coming back from some pretty pretty drastic things, it's mostly about the way to keep um, a person that's having a hard time consistent is to take their situation as seriously as what they do and to try put yourself into, you know, that reality. Um, you can't turn up to a training session with someone that, you know, is learning to walk again or going through chemotherapy, um, you know, or has a severe uh, mental health or learning disorder. You can't turn up to that situation and that can't be one of 10 sessions for you. You know, that's gotta be, that's gotta be everything in that moment. You know, so I think first of all, you got to take the situation as seriously as them, um, and then more often than not, it's about creating patience. So the same way that when somebody walks through the door with an unrealistic expectation of what fat loss um, requires, you also have to be, you know, pretty um, clear with them around their expectations of the process as well. Um, so that's that's probably the my best advice for keeping people consistent when you're dealing with people, you know, outside of the norm. Um, put yourself into their reality as much as you can. Um, take the, you know, take the situation as seriously as they do, and then look to create consistency through patience, because your biggest your biggest um, your biggest problem there is going to be frustration. Um, not necessarily motivation. 
Yeah, I, th I think with with the clients that you mentioned, I know the the lady. What's the name? The lady with is it cerebral palsy? She's got. Her name's Rachel. Rachel, I when when you were saying she travels in, she's doing, she's exposed to things she's never done before. Not to mention being in a an environment where it's very intimidating. She'll see people doing some crazy stuff in the gym, and you know, for her to to go into that environment and just take it like a boss is like incredibly like inspiring and she will get something out of every gym session with you where she's winning. And I think she will leave every session of accomplished something. And I think that's what a lot of people do wrong when it comes to their training is that they don't get the little wins from their training. They'll go to the gym. Like we just touched upon before they'll go running. They won't get any wins from that run because they, they, they've literally just gone balls deep into a, trying to run two miles, start, you know, coughing the guts up because they've not built any aerobic base again. They've got bad knees, bad back. They woke up the next day, no win. If they've got no win, you know, compliance and adherence is never going to be there. They're never going to do, they're not going to want to do that again. But with likes of Rachel, she's getting these wins every single session working with yourself where she's going to be, like I said, that motivation will never be an issue. I um, mate, I asked Rachel outright once. Uh, I mean, we, we work very closely. I see her very often. And I said to her, you know, because she would always um, comment on the things happening around her in the gym, you know, and she'll, she'll marvel at them. She, she takes motivation from seeing the amazing things that the, you know, the human body is physically capable of doing. And I said to her, I said, how, how have you moved past a resentment? You know, like, or was there ever a resentment? Um, how have you processed that information? So you don't look at someone doing something you can't and it dishearten you. You know, like you have a genuine amazement for seeing what's happening around you. And the answer she gave me was just a lot of hard work. <laughs> you know, so she's, oh. she's, um, she's a, a special lady, man. She's um, a very... A very unique individual. I've never met anybody quite as quite as driven and quite as persistent and utterly unaccepting of other people's um, interpretation of what she can she can do or can't do. Um, it took her a month to actually tell me that she wanted to um, she wanted to walk when she first came in or when she was first uh, referred through to me. Um, she was like, "Oh, you know, I just want to." not have any more surgeries and see if we can improve this and see if we can improve that. And then, you know, eventually she, she decided I was the right person to work with her and she opened up and she said, look, I've got a pretty big goal. Don't want to scare you off. Um, how do you feel about having a crack at me walking? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, like not a physiotherapist, you know, like I'm not from that clinical world and I only apply the same principles that I would apply to, to many other clients just, um, modified you know and we spend a lot more time down that sort of like health end of the spectrum you know even though the health end of the spectrum to us is the you know sort of performance end of the spectrum to her um mm. but mate my my um i can only comment on my experience with her and i don't know if rachel's just an incredibly unique individual but she found a way to frame her experiences so that her surroundings motivated her and amazed her rather than, you know, cause resentment or, um, 
you know, lack of motivation. It was the exact opposite. That's that's really uh, nice to hear when you mentioned about she doesn't look at other people. And obviously, this is another kind of topic. Which, but I have covered this is um, in my in my spoke about body image is that to learn how to kind of appreciate others rather than comparing themselves or scrutinizing them, them scrutinizing themselves you know she could have been in the gym and seen someone do back squats with 200 kilograms on the back and think oh wow i, I would want to be like that or you know resenting that but instead she uses it to spur herself on to but keeping an eye on and understanding what she's got to achieve and putting all the emphasis on what she needs to do to get to where she wants to be and that's as a byproduct to that, this motivation has never been a problem. She's probably happier than she's ever been before. And I think that is a great message for people on here to, to listen to and understand and, and take that story and use it as a positive and kind of make a change on what how they've been applying this health and fitness journey of their own. My, my, my greatest motivator for my own health and fitness Entirely from, um, you know, the clients I work with. Your ability to get better, your ability to make a change may not be there tomorrow. Happened, you know, would you be happy with what you did with what you have? You know, and that, um, that makes me do a session at the end of the day. You know, that makes me get out and do the things that I would say I would do. Um, because I'm, I do have these these reminders. Um, I I was working with a, a young lady at one point who was going through a couple of rounds of chemotherapy, and I, I asked her, all right, I was like, you know, how do you keep yourself turning up to these sessions? How do you keep yourself wanting to get better when, you know, your future is uncertain? And <laughs> she didn't tell me straight that. She was like, well, what's the other option? You know, like to, I think that the more extreme the circumstances, the, the easier the decision is to want to get better. The problems we have are with people that think that, you know, because they're 10, 15 kilos overweight, you know, that will reduce their life expectancy. But that, that's 30 years away. So why should they care now? You know, we're, we're programmed to be very immediate creatures we um you know it's, it's what helped us survive for a very long time you know reacting to our immediate environment you know and um we're not brilliant at going you know i'm going to make this decision today because in 30 or 40 years i'll benefit from it um when a person goes through something severe you know like uh and the way do you got she was just stood in the garden and a car jumped a curb and took her out, you know, like um, absolutely, you know, snapped the head of a femur and, you know, mashed up her shoulder and all the rest of it. And these, these people that have these, you know, huge obstacles to overcome, they, they don't take their ability or their option to get better for granted. You know, it's, it's people that, um, you know, their main worry is, you know, what type of milk's in their coffee, you know, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> you know, like that. This is, these are people that, you know, they become accustomed to what they have and, you know, they, they take the ability to change for granted. Um, and they're the hardest ones to, the hardest ones to motivate. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it does all come back to that, that 
powerful reason why doesn't it like ultimately the motivation comes from what what is it that's gonna you know get you out of bed in the morning if you've got a planned gym session whatever it may be what's gonna stop you from you know living the lifestyle nutritionally that got you into the position that you're in there's got to be something that's driving that change ultimately and I think that's a good point to kind of um, briefly kind of end on is these people that you do work with they feel like they've got nothing to lose and I think that's a really powerful motivator for them it's like you know like you said that woman's response was you know well, what else am I going to do you know is she got is she going to sit down is she going to just kind of accept it she, and and that I think that's a really powerful message for people to take away is it is does ultimately come down to appreciate what you've what you've got because you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow and you don't wanna get to that position where you need something drastic to happen to you to make that change. Yeah. Um mate, I um I really encourage that whatever process of change that you're about to go through, it should always begin with some real honest self reflection and Ultimately, your self-awareness is what is going to get you through the process. Um, you know, whether or not that's sitting down with a coach and doing a really detailed sort of like consultation, needs analysis, an interview where you do explore your limitation and, you know, you, you get to know the why behind what it is that you and you identify potential roadblocks and you action plan for them, you know, and you, you're honest about it or whether or not it's jumping on and doing a disc profile or a Myers-Briggs or a Braverman or some, some sort of personality or neurotransmitter profile test that can turn around to you and say, this is the type of person that you are. You know, like um, I think self-reflection is where any of these processes should begin. 100% mate and just before we end Matt I know that you're releasing an ebook. Um, do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about that obviously the the M word <laughs> and that'll be so, something that you, you're creating at the minute yeah so basically um, you know these welcome packs that I was putting together and these little little tips and tidbits around um, you know making success like a habit and you know, around adherence, just over the years, the more people that I've bumped into and the more stories that I've heard and the more people that I coach and the more people that I, you know, taught how to coach, um, the more I started to group together that information. And it's just kind of expanded to the point where I was like, you know, let's put together um, some sort of ebook or some sort of publication around um, common places where people fall down. You know, and it's similar stuff that we've been speaking about today, you know, um, understanding limitations and action planning, um, dealing with information overload and understanding why, um, you know, that whole commitment versus expectation thing, doing too much too soon, you know, where you're going to fare if you don't have that lack of accountability um, and then dealing with the reality of what hard work is. Um, I think it's really important that, People, if you can read about how drastic change and extreme circumstances aren't sustainable and how having a temporary mentality of a diet as opposed to a lifestyle change, you know, being aware of these pitfalls can really make a difference and help people move past them and plan for them. 
Um, and I just wanted to sort of like give people more information that can allow them to take more responsibility over their process and their progress. Um, I think that there's a bit of a misconception in the, the, you know, the personal training world that it's a transaction and then it's something that happens to you, you know, and I really do believe that change should be meaningful and that the process of change should be empowering, you know, um, and their values that I hold really close to both in my own personal training business and um, in the teaching of other personal trainers. So I thought, you know what, I'll just, I'm writing this for my clients anyway. So I'll, I'll try to put it together and, you know, force myself to put it out there and you know, see if it can help a few people. No, I think a lot of people will benefit from that, mate. And I think it'll, you know, it's good to, and I thought, thought about this for the podcast as well. It was, I say all this stuff to my clients. So why don't I just put it out there for people to actually hear so it can reach more people and hopefully help more people as well. And, yeah, just give them the education and what's really holding them back ultimately because it's all well and good giving people the advice that they've already probably heard before a million times, but it's kind of delving as deep as we can to what we can kind of talk about from our experiences and obviously where we're at with our, our own knowledge as PTs to really kind of get people to make that change. And I believe, and I always have since I started being a personal trainer, is that the psychology of a person is so, so important rather than getting nitty gritty with, like you said before, um, what milk you have in your coffee or what training program you should be doing, or, uh, you know, being overly like OTT with everything. I think the psychology of an individual is something that's really overlooked. And I think yourself with that ebook and hopefully myself with the podcast can help people make this change once and for all or at least contribute towards it mate i i totally agree i mean in as a manager what i look for in trainers isn't someone that's going to reinvent the wheel and come up with the next you know the world's fanciest exercise to me true create creativity as a personal trainer is being able to apply principles that we know work to all the different type of people and personalities that there are out there. Um, and that requires empathy and it requires listening um, and it requires, you know, um, structure and process and, you know, sound information. Um, I think if you can do that, you know, you're a good coach. Couldn't agree more, mate. Um, just before we end this call, because I'm sure you want to get to bed or drink more wine, um, where can people find you, mate? Oh God, mate. Um, I'm not not brilliant with my uh, my exposure. I mean, I've got Instagram, just Matt Duncan PT. Um, that's probably the best for now. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> so other, other than that, mate, um, maybe a little Jack Horner on a Sunday in Kudji. <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee people will find you in there. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, pal, and catching up. And I think, you know, like, there's so much shit out there. And, you know, it's it's a shame. And I'm I'm the same, by the way, mate. It's we, us guys and us genuine trainers and stuff, you know, we, we need to put ourselves out there, whether it's a little bit more or sometimes we can get lost in all the, all the bullshit. But hopefully, 
down the line, um, things like this will will get to people more and really actually help them. And that's that's my goal, as, especially mate. So I'm I'm with you on the whole. Not got many many platforms to kind of guide you to, or I'm not selling all this fancy shit. I'm just kind of I do what I do. <laughs> yeah, mate, we'll we'll do the best we can. It was really good to talk to you, Dave, mate. Um, say hello to Claude for me and uh, and your mum as well. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> standard. All right, mate. I will. <laughs> I will catch you soon. What a great way to end the podcast with a little bit of mum bants. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll speak to you soon, mate. All right, mate. Look after yourself. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Fat Fix podcast, and I hope you all enjoyed today's show. If you have not already, please make sure you subscribe and you don't miss out on any future episodes. I also can't stress enough how much it means to me, to those that have left me a star rating and written review on iTunes. This will ultimately help me reach more people like you and really help them too. So please give me two minutes of your time to do this if you haven't already. Lastly, any shares and mentions on social media is also massively appreciated. I will see you very soon for the next episode. Thank you very much.